The reading today is from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we um, come now to this uh, incredible psalm that Elaine just read to us, uh, a psalm which has been such a comfort and encouragement for so many people down through the ages, we pray that you might just quieten our hearts, uh, calm our mind, so that we could think and reflect on the words that David wrote so many years ago that were not just applicable to him back then, but continue to be applicable to all your people, whomever they are and wherever they are. And I pray that you would encourage our hearts and minds this morning in these wonderful truths. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're with us for the first time and you're only visiting this morning, you won't know that we've been doing uh, the Summer Psalm series where we've been doing a few psalms through these uh, summer months. Last week we looked at Psalm 10 and I said that Psalm 10 was not the favourite psalm of anyone I've ever come across and I was not corrected last week so I'm still able to say that. A little bit different today. Uh, psalm 23 is possibly the best known of all the psalms and has been a true favourite of many, many people down through the ages. Uh, a couple of years ago, I remember uh, I used to take home communion to Kath Norell, who some of you know, uh, knew here. Uh, she was one of our parishioners. And Kath was well over 100 uh, at the time that um, this took place. And Laura, our youngest daughter, was on school holidays. And Laura's always enjoyed coming with me for those kind of visits and trips. And so she came along. Uh, Kath, by this stage, again over 100, was basically blind. She couldn't read the service sheet anymore. She could when we first started, but she couldn't over the years. Uh, and she couldn't take part in the same way that she had in lots of ways. But Laura was blown away by one thing. Uh, we came to the Bible reading on that particular day, and it was Psalm 23, read by Pauline, uh, her daughter, out of the King James Version. I love the, the Lord, uh, Psalm 23 in the King James Version. And Kath immediately came to life and said every single word as loudly and as clearly as anything she'd said in the last couple of years. She knew it off by heart. And here was a woman over 100 years old who could no longer read the rest of the service, who could no longer do a number of things that she'd done before in her past, but she knew this part of God's word off by heart so that she could treasure it wherever she was, be encouraged by the truths of it, whatever was going on, and she could hold on to it. And it made a huge impact on Laura because Laura got home, shot off to her room, uh, and stayed in her room basically for a couple of days. These were good days. And uh, she stayed there for a couple of days. And when she came out, she decided, she'd taken it upon herself, I'm going to start learning God's word off by heart. And the first thing she learned was Psalm 23. Uh, and um, it's a great thing to do. If you're, some of you here this morning will be very familiar with Psalm 23. And there's always a danger with familiarity that it can breed contempt. Uh, if that's you, I hope this morning we just... We're not going to go into it in great detail, but I hope we can breathe a bit of freshness into this uh, wonderful psalm. But there may be some of you here this morning that are not very familiar with it. And I hope, if that's you, that by the time we're finished, you may be able to see why so many people have received light and hope and confidence and assurance from these words. 
And uh, I don't have any headings or points this morning. Well, I hope there's some points, but uh, no, we're just going to go through the psalm bit by bit and think about it, reflect upon the truths of it. And so we start with the first five words of the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Actually, that's not the first five words of the psalm, and I think there's a mistake on our reading, because what should the first words of the psalm be? A psalm of David, which is not an insert by the editors of the Bible, that's part of the psalm. This is a psalm of David, and that's important to know, because David, who wrote these words, was not only Israel's most famous king, he was what before he was a king? A shepherd. And so he knows what he's talking about. When he writes about the Lord being his shepherd, he knows what shepherding is about. But interestingly, he says, the Lord is my my shepherd. David here, the shepherd, is speaking as a sheep. And I don't know whether you've ever thought about this before, but if you wanted to give this psalm a title, you could give it the sheep psalm. It's for the sheep of the Lord. And uh, it's David who says it. It, it. The whole psalm is from the perspective of the sheep of the shepherd. Uh, But the great thing is that it's not just David who's able to say these things, but every Christian, every sheep of the Good Shepherd uh, can can say and know the truths of this psalm. But think about those five words, the the opening five words, because each one of them is packed with significance. The Lord. The Lord. Not a God, the Lord. And notice the Lord again is in capitals. And we know that when we read the Lord in the Old Testament in capitals, that's because that's a very specific word in Hebrew. That was the name that God gave Moses when he introduced himself. When Moses asked for his name, God said, Yahweh said, I am who I am. So whenever we see the Lord in capitals like that, that's who it is. That's his personal name. That's important. It means straight away that Uh, This psalm is not about some random, impersonal, distant, unknowable God. This is the God who introduced himself. This is the God who's shown himself. This is the God who's given his name. This is the God who's creator of everything, the God who rescued his people from slavery, the God whose faithfulness and trustworthiness defines him. It's this God who is shepherd. So the Lord is is the shepherd. That small word is is important. It's definite. This is a sure thing. This is eternal. Actually, the, it goes on and on in terms of its consequences. It's perpetual. He is the shepherd, always will be the shepherd. And that brings us to the next word there. Uh, he's not just a general shepherd. He is what? My shepherd, David says. And the great truth of this psalm is that every, da- every Christian can, like David, say, the Lord is my shepherd. The relationship we have with our great shepherd is personal and particular. I want you to know that. The relationship you've got with God is not that you're some faceless blob in a huge crowd. You're not just a number amongst billions. He is your shepherd personally. And that's a great truth. Uh, We know as we read into the New Testament that it's Jesus in particular that fulfills the shepherd role. In John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. And in that chapter, when Jesus reveals himself as the the good shepherd, he says this, I know my sheep and they know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. See the incredible truth there? The intimacy that you and I have with our good shepherd is the same intimacy as the father and the son, two of the three triune God have with each other. That is mind-blowing. Your shepherd knows you. 
and, there's a, and not just facts about you. There's a, there's a sense that people can know lots of facts about you. They can know your full name because they've seen your driver's licence. They can know your date of birth. They can know which bank you bank at or what your favourite music is. But they may not know you, your fears, your joys, your insecurities, your wishes. Your shepherd does. He knows the number of hairs on your head. But he doesn't just know your head, he knows your heart. He knows your joy and your pain. He knows your future. He knows what you mean when you pray, even when you can't put it well. He knows what you don't pray about. He's your shepherd. Every Christian is able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. It's an incredible truth. The God who's creator and saviour and sustainer and king is also my shepherd. And that's the last word, he is shepherd. Some of those other words you kind of expect with God, uh, creator, saviour, sustainer, king, shepherd, maybe I wouldn't have gone with that one. But it's a great word. Not shepherd meaning a, a kind of boring person who dresses in funny clothes and hugs sheep. It means something specific that the rest of the psalm comes out with. It means protector. It means feeder, it means guide, it means one who leads, it means one who provides, one who nourishes, one who protects, one who cares for, one who brings home and provides safety and security for. And David knew this better than anyone. And that's why he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Five words, incredible words to start the psalm. We could spend a lifetime on those words and delve the depths of them. Um, I nearly broke Psalm 23 into two weeks and we've, we're going to spend one week on those five words. They're incredible. But we decided not to. So we're ploughing on. We've got to keep going. The Lord is my shepherd. And then it unpacks what that means. Look as verse 1 continues. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you see all those verses there really are, they're a picture of contentment. I shall not be in want. Don't gloss over that. He makes me lie down in green pastures. There's the food and it's coming up as the quiet waters with the drink. Here we're, we're well fed, well rested. But he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Some of you will have grown up on farms and sheep don't lie down unless they're safe, secure, fed and content. And then he, the sheep are led beside quiet waters, not the raging waters that in the Bible are the image of rebellion against God. These are the quiet waters necessary for life. And he restores my soul. How often do we need that happening in our lives at the moment? Guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And the great encouragement there is the name of the Lord never lets down. The name of the Lord has never failed. And do you see how personal, these are amongst the most personal uh, verses in the, in the scriptures in some way. Do you see how personal it all is? I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores my soul. He guides me. You could almost think David's being selfish here. Oh, it's all about, this is the joy of being one of the sheep of the shepherd. He is these things to each of us. Here is the contentment that can only come in this world if you know Jesus as your, as your good shepherd. You will not find that kind of contentment anywhere else in this world. This world promises a whole lot. It delivers very little. You'll only find it in the Good Shepherd. 
And that isn't in opposition with the thought that life is still hard for a Christian. Well, hang on, Jack, what do you, what do you mean I'll never want? I do want in this life and I, um, I don't feel well, read and well fed and well rested sometimes. And This is not in opposition to that. There's no accident, I'm sure, that Psalm 23 comes straight after Psalm 22. And if you know Psalm 22, what's Psalm 22 about? It's really the psalm of the cross. It's the, it's the, the psalm where there's so much imagery of the cross, including, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the two go together. Life in this fallen world continues to be hard, but alongside it, for those that have the Good Shepherd, is this contentment possible because of who it is we follow and who leads us and protects us and guides us. A shepherd that provides and leads and restores and protects, you're never alone as one of his sheep. You're never in danger of being taken or lost or eaten because you've got the shepherd that will not lose any of his flock. And that's the thing that brings confidence, that brings comfort, that makes contentment possible because his sheep know the shepherd and they therefore know the big picture. So when you're feeling down in the dumps like kind of Psalm 22, sit down and remember the truths of Psalm 23. Well, as it carries on, the psalm moves to some even probably better known verses. Uh, Verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now I want you to really hear this this morning. This is crucial, and yet some of you will be in danger of missing the importance of what I'm about to say. Because there will be some people here today who are untouched as of yet by the valley of the shadow of death. And death is just a a theoretical, distant, never experienced thing. And so these words can be heard and then forgotten as quickly as they're spoken. It's a bit like, I think, people that have come and joined us in Christchurch over the last few years and they feel an earthquake or an aftershock and they kind of go, they're quite excited by it. Oh, I felt the earth move and uh, isn't that interesting or exciting? For those of us who've been through it, there can be almost an involuntary, oh my goodness, is this another one? Yeah, it's that if you've been through it, you know the significance. If you haven't been through it, you'll see it a different way. But if that's you this morning and you're here and you've never really been touched by the sting of death, I can tell you you won't remain untouched by it. It comes to every single person. At some stage you will either have to watch a loved one die slowly or you will face the shock of losing one suddenly. You will either seek to support someone else close to you as they face death or you will wrestle with your own. But that's a fact that comes to each of us. We kind of look back with, um, uh, we we kind of mock the Victorian age because they, they spoke about death all the time but never spoke about sex. We're almost the exact opposite. We speak about sex all the time and never speak about death. So many of us today don't know death well because we don't talk about it today. We hide it away. People take bodies away as quickly as possible and it's all dealt with at arm's length uh, in, in a sterile and removed way as can happen. But, but why is that? Not everyone is sexually active. Everyone will die. Why are we so quiet on the one thing we know will happen to us? Why do we not prepare for the one inevitable? The journey of death is travelled by every single person in this world. But the great truth of this psalm is you don't have to take that journey by yourself. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
Because in the end, the, the journey through the valley of the shadow of death actually is one that you just take alone. I've been with people as they've died. I've seen them take their last breath. I've sometimes held their hand as they've died. But even then, there's a sense that they journey that last part alone. If you've known someone going through death, particularly a a slower death, you'll know that although you do all that you can for them in terms of love and support, there's a truth that going through that journey, you do it alone, you're on your own, but not for the sheep of the shepherd. Not for the sheep of the shepherd. Not for those who trust in Jesus because they have him and that changes everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It used to be a badge of honour how Christians died, and a witness. But because we live in an age where we no longer talk about it, it's different. But if we face death, and you're one of the sheep, you're not alone, even in that most lonely of journeys. Now, if you're here this morning, and you don't know Jesus, you don't trust Jesus, This is a comfort that's not yours, but it can be. It can be. Make sure you've got a companion, uh, not just that you trust your life with, but trust your death with. Put your hands into the hands of the good shepherd. Put your life into the hands of the good shepherd. And the wonderful news if you trust in him is you're trusting someone who they themselves know what it's like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not like Jesus is sitting far away, untouched, kind of distant and unconcerned as we go through this awful experience on life. He himself went through it and he went through it precisely so that our death wouldn't be the end. His death was in our place so that forgiveness and his righteousness could be ours. And that's why Christians are so confident about life after death because when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. When God looks at me, he doesn't see me in my shabby clothes, he sees clothes washed by the blood of Christ. When, when it's about my death, it's actually about his life. And there's a great verse in Revelation 7. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, written by John, the author has a vision of the end times, if you remember. And he sees the great multitude, uh, which is all the people of God down through all the ages, from every place, from every nation, tribe, people and language. And it says that they're in white robes. Uh, Then it says something strange, because it says their white robes have been washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb, which is odd if you... I don't do a lot of washing, but uh, apparently if you use blood, it stains. But not this blood. The blood of the lamb washes white and clean because this is Jesus' blood shed for us. But then it goes on to say another curious thing. The people of God, the great multitude, are gathered around his throne. And this is what it says in verse 17. For the lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to the springs of living water. It's an odd verse in so many ways. You can kind of gloss over it and not really pick up on it, but it's an odd verse in so many ways. For the lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. Do you see what all that's saying? We know that Jesus is the lamb of God. He's the sacrifice who gave his life for you and I. That's why his blood washes us clean. But he's also in this verse God, the one at the centre of the throne. And he's also, the lamb is also the shepherd who leads his sheep to living water. But that's a great thing because the shepherd knows the way. He's walked it before. When you feel like you're all alone, especially in the area of death, you're not because one has walked that way already, conquered death and will take you through it to be home with him. It's a great truth. So even more confidence. The one who's with us has walked it before. 
This verse, this is why this psalm has been such a comfort to Christians down through the ages. I pray that we'll know it and, and face death in the light of it with confidence and assurance. We're not alone. But I do need to move on. So uh, verses 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. A great verse of blessing. And then the wonderful final words. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. Do you see the promise in that verse? For the sheep of the shepherd. The goodness and love of God will be with us all the days of our life and we will dwell in his house forever. Incredible words. And knowing the destination changes the, um, the feeling of the journey. I don't know, uh, we, we're kind of turning that upside down at the moment, but um, sometimes the journey is terrible, but if you know the destination's going to be great, it makes all the difference. Knowing where you will end up makes a difference for how bad the journey can be. I shared this with a couple of you, but uh, a few years ago we, had a, uh, we were on our study leave and we had the opportunity, we never thought we'd have this, but we had the opportunity to take the children to Disneyland. And I was very excited about this, more excited than anyone else in our family. But our eldest son, who some of you know is a bit of a loser, he kind of, he, he worries like his mum. He always worries about stuff, that, what will happen in advance. And he, so about four weeks before, he started going, oh, look, the plane ride to uh, America, it's like 11, 12 hours. What if my screen doesn't work? I thought he was going to go for a plane crash or something, but he didn't. It was that his screen wouldn't work. And so I, as a good parent, said, probably won't, Jess probably going to have 11 or 12 hours with no screen. It'll probably be a bumpy flight. You'll probably have... So I played on it for three or four weeks. Anyway, what happened was, this is why, this is Parenting 101, why you should never do what I just did. We get on the plane, because we're a family of five, you've got to split up. So we put, Jamie and Jesse were on one. I sat in between Laura and Molly for the trip and um, we took the trip. Laura threw up once, Molly threw up six times. At one point, that both of them were throwing up into bags on either side of me and my screen didn't work for the whole time. <laughs> for the whole time. We even got into Los Angeles and Molly threw up again in the taxi on the... Don't ah. Oh. I've never forgiven her for that trip. But we were going to Disneyland. I'd wanted to take our kids there and share that with them for, for so long. And so even, I was joyful while they were throwing up. No, I wasn't joyful. It was a nightmare while they were, that whole journey. But we knew where we were going. We, we knew where we were going and that makes a difference. We, people today say, don't worry about the destination, it's the journey that counts. Not if your destination's rubbish, but if your destination is sure and it's brilliant and it's guaranteed, that'll help get you through the journey. Our shepherd makes sure that on the journey, Goodness and love are with us all the days of our lives. But more than that, he makes sure we don't just get to the house of the Lord, we remain there forever. This is the promise for the sheep and it is certain because it's down to the shepherd, not to you and I. That's the great glory of it. Don't you reckon that Kath, uh, Narell and Laura had the right idea memorising these words? If you're going to remember any part of scripture, remember these words because they're great. But if your memory's not what it was, or it's a bit like mine, and you can't memorise all of it, just remember the first five words. The Lord is my shepherd. Remember that, because it's incredible. 
In fact, why don't we read it together? Well, let's read it together out loud, knowing these truths are ours because of who our shepherd is, and then I'll pray. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these truths. We thank you for Jesus, our good shepherd. Amen.